Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello everyone, um, this is Peter, um, I'm doing the show today, um, this is the Doing Time Show, this is 3CR Community Radio, 855am, um, on the dial, or st- streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Today we, on the show, we have reco- pre-recorded an interview with Tamar Hopkins, who spoke about a recent forum at Melbourne Uni regarding racial profiling. Then we'll speak to Anthony Kelly, Executive Officer of Flemington Kensington Legal Centre, about the anti-masking and public order laws passed through Parliament following this recording. There will be following the recording with Tamar. So we'll just go straight to the, the racial profiling um, pre-record. On the 7th of September 2017, there was an event at Melbourne University taking the shape of a symposium and we're going to be speaking shortly with Tamar Hopkins, who was one of the speakers at that symposium and she's a University of Melbourne Honorary Fellow ANU PhD candidate and she's going to be talking about Victoria Police and how they had a policy and still have a policy that bans racial profiling and um, she'll be reporting um, about the consequences of Victoria, Victoria Police and Australian society in general in allowing racial profiling to continue and she'll talk about a report that is is due soon and she'll present the findings of this report by an Australian academic working group who are calling on Victoria Police to start collecting and publicly reporting their stop data. And so, yeah, she'll be coming up soon. Now. Now. Hello, Tamar. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. It's good to be on. That's great. Now, Australia is one of the few English-speaking countries where police do not report publicly on their stop-and-search practices. And I gave a little bit of an intro earlier on the show explaining to listeners that there had been a symposium on the 7th of September 2017. And I believe that you were doing a presentation um, at this symposium. Could you just give listeners a little bit of an idea of um, of the background and, and what you talked about? Yeah, sure. 
So um, it, it just happened to time very well with the, the fact that um, a report has just been released by a, an academic working group um, looking into um, monitoring racial profiling. And they've, they, this, this academic working group, and I am one of those, that, that group, um, released this report on Wednesday and then the symposium happened to be going ahead on Thursday. And so um, at the symposium, I talked about um, the content of this report and, um, and uh, what it was about, why the, why the report was necessary. I'm very happy to, to talk to you now Absolutely. About, yep. about the background of this report. Yep. So um, as your listeners will be aware, um, since the settlement of Hale, the, the, uh, a big race discrimination case in 2013, Victoria Police has gone through a three-year um, process of looking at their own policies and seeing um, and, and and actually have set up a whole new division within Victoria Police called the Priority Community Division, um, and they have uh, now introduced a policy that has a zero tolerance for racial profiling. So it, this is the first policy in Australia where um, police are very directly um, uh, claiming, stating that they have a zero tolerance for, for racial pro- profiling. So that's a really great step forward. The problem is that from all reports, the practice of racial profiling on the streets in Melbourne and Victoria continues. Um, and in fact, only two days ago on SBS News, um, two young men told their stories about being racially profiled um, in the last few months. One of them describing uh, has described to us being stopped six times in the one month in his car. And on one occasion, he was stopped and had some medication um, that he was uh, he required removed from his glove glove box and thrown out, and then was told to to keep going, so to um, to go to continue. So, so th- these stories of racial profiling are still um, still existing in the community. And so, what what uh, the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre did last year was auspice a group of academics to get together and actually start um, researching how racial profiling is monitored in other parts of the world. And a group of academics was pulled together, um, and I'll just read you the list of who these people are. Um, There's Professor Janet Chan from UNSW, Professor Chris Cunine. Um, I'm on this working group too as a PhD candidate, there's um, Dr. Claire Land from Victoria University, Dr. Raul Sanchez Urabari from La Trobe University, and Dr. Victoria Sentas from um, UNSW. So this is the group of researchers that pulled their um, their resources together to um, to examine a number of uh, different data collection schemes that exist around the world, and also examine the very extensive academic literature on um, data collection of, of racial profiling to see what scheme might actually be appropriate in Victoria and start to actually um, uh, allow us to measure and monitor the real extent of racial profiling on the street. It's it's really not enough for there to be a ban in policy. This ban needs to 
translate into practice and the only way to understand if it's translating into practice is to actually monitor the prevalence of the problem. And how so, will that be monitored? Well, um, this the, the proposal put forward by um, the working group is that there be a, um, a collaboration that works to, well, first of all, Victoria Police has to collect that data um, and then that data needs to be provided um, to a, a research team initially to analyse and aggregate that data and make sense of that data to see um, what kind of patterns um, of, uh, can, be, can be drawn from that data. And ultimately, the idea would be to have that data produced very very regularly on the website of potentially um, a human rights body like the Australian Human Rights Commission, the Victorian Human Rights Commission or a university um, that, or even potentially the Victorian Crime Statistics Authority doesn't have the remit presently to produce data on in relation to stop and search. But, it, um, but the Victorian government could well empower it to, to do that. So... So the idea would be that there would be an analysis of data produced by Victoria Police, aggregated and, and benchmarked and then released publicly so that the community could see what Victoria Police's real progress on racial profiling is. So, um, so at this stage, there is no transparency. Victoria Police don't even collect that data, let alone make that public. So, so it really is... This, is, this scheme um, suggests that that data must be firstly collected and secondly reported publicly in a, in a meaningful way. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of in a, in a nutshell what, what the idea of the scheme is. Um, the, the, the second uh, key proposal is that Victoria Police, in, in collecting that data on who they're stopping, also must start to record the reasons for that stop. Um, in in Victoria, currently Victoria Police's policy is that police uh, should should only act where there is a reason to do so. However, um, Victorian law is very permissive about what the police can and can't do in terms of stops. So, for example, there is no law um, restricting police to stopping a person on the street for any particular reason. The police are entitled at this stage to stop anyone that they wish on the street and question them. And that's, in fact, the same for vehicle stops. Um, at Under Victorian present law, the police can pull over any vehicle that they want to and ask them for their licence and their, um, their um, contact details. So, so we have an extremely permissive legal... This um, structure at the moment that really gives a green light to racial profiling, and so the um, the academic working group is saying um, it's time that that uh, the Victorian government actually legislated to impose thresholds, um, objective, reasonable justification thresholds on police to initiate stops on the street and in and on vehicles, and it's really worth being aware that Victoria is. Is behind in this. Um, in New South Wales, for example, police can only stop a car where they um, where they believe they have grounds to arrest the driver. So that's you know that's the standard when uh, of the, th the threshold that applies in New South Wales. And so, what, why is Victoria so far behind here? Um, 
is you know a really big question. Um, so so yes, yeah, so there's there's a so there's the monitoring of the data um, that needs to happen, but there's also the, the there needs to be um, stand thresholds applied to um, to police before they can stop people. And what's been very interesting in this research is realizing the the benefits that happen when you apply a, a higher threshold to police intervention. What that means is that police will not be stopping the the vast numbers of innocent people that they currently stop at the moment. They're going to be um, it will it will mean that uh, they're um, they're much more effective. They're efficient in what they're doing. Um, they've got a higher hit rate. They don't waste their resources stopping so many mm. so many people without any justification. So there are real benefits to the police. The other thing is that when you actually require police to have an objective reason for do- doing something, they're less, less likely to be able to rely on stereotypes as what they currently do. So they mm. rely on race stereotypes. They rely on um, you know a range of a range of just stereotypes that have nothing to do with criminality. So so those thresholds are really important from that perspective. But of course, the real benefits are to the public, um, and and what's becoming increasingly clear from the international research is the is the harm that is caused by unjustified police attention um, and it's it's such it's extremely serious harm um, that that occurs and, and the report that the two young people gave to SBS this week uh, about just how it impacts on their self-esteem and their um, how embarrassed they were being stopped in um, by the police just what that that kind of message tells them about their worth in society and their status in society when they're constantly being stopped by police. And these are um, African people? Yes, they're two, two young African people giving stories to, to SBS about this. So so that's, I mean, exactly that's the point, Marissa, as well, is that not only do stops, stops very impacting on your self-esteem, yep. but they, when, when that operates on a, in a racialised way, you have whole racialized segments of the community being policed in a really different way to the rest of society and having these negative impacts on their self-worth, mm. self-esteem. Um, so it, it, it really means that we're, we are creating and recreating racial underclasses in, in the very practices of the police on the streets. So it, it, it's a, this is a really serious issue, something that needs high-level attention. Um, and, and so... So this the the working group has just finally released this report saying, "Hey, okay, Victoria Police, okay, Victorian Parliament, balls in your court. Uh, let's let's see some action." So is the, uh, is the um, report um, out in the public yet? And, yes, yes, and... it is. So the report is available on the website of the um, Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. It's in the Police Accountability Project um, website. Yeah. And um, you can you can download a copy. It's a PDF PDF copy. The legal centre also has some limited um, numbers of copies, so if people need hard copies. Um, they can they can um, contact the legal centre for those hard copies. And do the um, people in um, sorry, I'm trying to say this um, outside of the community centres know about it, like the general public and um, you know, like as a mainstream media. Spoke reported about it. on it. Reported yeah. it yeah. yeah, so um so SBS two nights ago did a new story 
um, on the report. The Guardian has reported on it. Oh, cool. um, there's been a brief report in the Leader, um, as far as I'm aware, and, and yeah. So, but but at this start, and and now 3CR, your program is reporting on it. So that's fantastic. Yeah, it's just but, yeah, came out really. Hey? Yeah, that's right. It's just come out this week. So since 2015, Victoria Police have had a policy that bans the racial profiling, and yet, yep. and yet, you know, and hence this research, African and Indigenous youth and other um, races are still reporting being stopped without justification. Mm. Yep, that's right. So, so what that shows is that the policy that is in place by Victoria Police alone is not um, not creating changes on the street so it, it's not it's not yet gone into change police practices and this is not so surprising when you think about how entrenched and um, a practice racial profiling is the the whole process of formation of suspicion by police officers has been found to be intrinsically linked to racial stereotypes. So this process of um, suspicion that the police use in their daily, everyday work is... Um, racial profiling is, is really embedded into that process. And so a mere change at the policy level um, is not going to change these very deeply embedded practices that, that happen. And so what really needs to change is a there needs to be a threshold applied. Suspicions are not good enough. Police cannot be based, cannot be acting on the basis of mere suspicions. Suspicions are very susceptible to um, to prejudice. So what, what really needs to happen is a new threshold that requires police to have objective evidence um, before they actually decide to intervene and stop a person. Um, so, so, yeah, that's... We haven't yet seen that. We haven't yet seen the actual mechanisms um, in place by Victoria Police that will lead to a reduction in racial profiling. But the other thing is that we can't measure the effectiveness of, of Victoria Police's policies unless they actually start reporting on co collecting data. Correct. But so how? So, so I suppose what's interesting about the research is it's fantastic that there's been a report with with the findings. Yep. But how do we then? How do we then instigate that process yeah. so that, like, we can't force the police, can we? We can't force them by yep. law, can we? Yeah. So um, we... Well, yeah. No, <laughs> really good question, Marissa. And it's we're in a really interesting stage because um, at the end of last year, Victoria Police released a report uh, saying that they were. Um, Open, they were committed to exploring the um, uh, how a, a mechanism for monitoring racial profiling may, may um, play out in Victoria yeah. over the next two years. So they they've they've committed on paper to exploring um, how to actually start monitoring the problem. So right. that there is a there is an open door there. Um, from Victoria Police to do something about this, and um, but but at this stage, uh, our understanding is that there's not much action that they've taken yet towards doing that exploration. So that's where this report comes in, is that um, provides that evidence base. We have looked at 
data monitoring schemes around the world. We have looked at the literature. This is the best scheme that we can see for Victoria Police. We've done their work for them. Here is something that they can go with. Um, and we're proposing a, a whole kind of structure around how that process might happen um, to, to kind of assist Victoria Police in making this really fundamental step towards public reporting on on their, this process. So so I guess there's while that door is still open we have some hope that we can um, we can work with Victoria Police to get them to do this. But there are other me- mechanisms and and firstly the the other mechanism is that we really need Victorian Parliament to recognize the seriousness of this issue and actually legislate these legal thresholds um, and legislate for data collection. So it requires not only participation by Victoria Police, but also by Parliament in, in terms of, of creating some change in the laws in Victoria. So that's the, the other mechanism that we're using. Um, we're speaking to politicians about this. Um, the Flemington Legal Centre has a group of peer-to-peer educators who are going and speaking to politicians about the importance of this issue and, and something needing to be done. So that's another strategy. Um, and the other th- thing is that, uh, just interestingly, on the 31st of August this year, the UN Committee um, on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination released a report um, into Canada. Um, and it's, it's key, made a, a number of really key uh, recommendations about what Canada could do to prevent racial discrimination. And one of them was, the, was data collection by police. Um, and so that's that's a really important mechanism to use that UN mechanisms to place pressure on a country to do something like that, and and that's an option that we could we could investigate here too is is trying to get some kind of international pressure. Um, so so there's a, ra- a range of strategies I guess that we can we can um, use to to try and keep keep the pressure on on Victoria Police. The other thing is, of course, the possibility of bringing another racial discrimination claim um, like Hale Michael. So um, to actually say, OK, it's still, it's, it still continues to go on, now it's time for you actually to do the real work and, um, and introduce and, you know, pick up on the recommendations of this report. So, so yeah, there's, there's a range of strategies um, to, to put... But, we do need we do need the Victorian government to to really engage with this process too. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's pretty important. And and thanks for giving such a such a concise um, background, Tamar. That's much appreciated. And I, I think briefly it would be it would be good at this point to mention to listeners if 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 you have the the material there. Very briefly, just to talk about some of the speakers, the other speakers that attended the symposium. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so there were two other speakers. Um, one of them was um, Talis Bissett, who's a, uh, a PhD student at University of Melbourne. And um, her talk was about um, the way Victoria Police crim- um, use language and policy to criminalise Africans. So it was a really fascinating mm. um, talk that she gave, um, and she would be very much she'd be really worth interviewing. Absolutely. Are interviewing. Um, what she does is is sort of examine a number of key p- 
police documents to look at the language they use in in describing um, Africans, and it's ex- an extraordinary um, uh, host of stereotypes and. Yeah. It's a wow. very kind of dehumanising process that, that she has kind of analysed closely. So I think very, very worth um, you guys interviewing her. The third speaker was, and I unfortunately I haven't got her um, surname in front of me. Angela, Angela. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> Angela um, so, so she spoke very interestingly about um, access to police, institutions for the purpose of research and this is something that she um, she went around to all of the police agencies around Australia to say uh, that she'd be very interested in studying their police pursuit policies and their um, drug policies and um, would they be happy to give her access to them um, she's taking a very collaborative approach in terms of research she'd be happy for those police agencies to um, to use that research um, to kind of uh, vet that research so that it wouldn't produce anything that they were um, not happy with her public and yet even with such a an open and cooperative approach she all of the police agencies that she approached said no we're not going to give you any data on this except for Tasmania so they were the yeah. only the only force that that oh, you know took a, an open approach. So that's really interesting, isn't it? In, it is. It is. Uh, it must have been a challenge you, for her. Yeah, that's right. And it just it just shows you why are police agencies so secretive about their policies and not transparent? Like, no, that's right. And and that they they really are acting in the name of the state. And really, the public has every right to know everything about how they operate. <laughs> so Unbelievable. It, it is quite extraordinary. And I, I, we had a lot of discussion about the um, role of um, researchers and, and how a lot of research is so hampered in, in Australia because of this, this problem of access to police information. So, um, yeah, I, I always find it really extraordinary about how little research is being done in Australia around police um, in comparison to places like the US and the UK where there's just been so much extraordinary research and, and, you know, we really are, there's not much transparency here. So, um, yeah, very interesting discussion. Australia needs to get with the program. We're a bit backward. Yes, that's right, exactly. So, yeah, I think for listeners, I I think I I will speak to, to you, Tamar, later and perhaps get the, the details of, of the other speakers. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Tamar, do you have any final comments about this this um, symposium or even um, I believe there was also a lecture afterwards, but I think that's probably a matter for another show, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, well, that's right. Topic. We haven't touched the haven't um, touched Ben Bowling lecture. That's right, which was really fascinating. Um, I can imagine. So it, it's, I'm hoping that his lecture will be, that the PowerPoints will be public. There was someone filming him speak and um, it would be great if that if that was made public. Um, ben ben Bow- Bowling, is that right? Ben Bowling, ben yeah, Bowling? Professor Brett Ben Bowling. Yeah. And he wrote a book, I think, about police. 
Well, he's written, he, I mean, he's written extensively in the area of racial profiling, but also many areas to do with policing and his current focus is on the, the globalisation of, of police and um, at a whole lot of different levels. Um, so, so looking at how, uh, you know, the Australian Federal Police, for example, has multiple agents working internationally and how police forces around the world have agents working in other countries and, and you know, what's going on with those agents, what happens with accountability, what happens when someone... Um, when one agency, say the FBI, tells another agency, say South Africa, to arrest someone and they get it wrong, is who is accountable for that? Is it the FBI or is it the South South African police? So there's just all kinds of fascinating mm. issues that come out of looking at how policing is operating globally. Mm. Yeah, and, and how that impacts on the domestic as well. Combine so, boggles, doesn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> Tamar, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, when, when we finish this interview, don't, don't go away because I'd sure. actually like to um, get some details from you. No problem. Okay. Could you just quickly Thank- repeat that report, the, the, where you can get the yes. report from? Yes. So the report that's just come out is called uh, Monitoring Racial Profiling, Introducing a Scheme to Prevent Unlawful Stops and Searches by Victoria Police. And you can find it on the website of the Flemington and Kensington Community Legal Centre. Thanks for your time, Tamar. Thanks for No much, problem. Tamar. Thank you. No problem. Bye. Bye. And that was Marissa and I doing an interview with um, Tamar Hopkins um, about the racial profiling symposium that happened um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, this is FreeCR 855 AM or www.freecr.org.au um, This is the Doing Time show. We'll just go to an announcement. Oh, we'll just go to a track. Um, this is Blue King Brown, Never Fade Away. Then we'll get on to Anthony Kelly. And you're with, you're with um, FreeCR 855am or www.freecr.org.au Um this is the Doing Time show. Um, now, Anthony Kelly was recently was recently um, in the United States. We we met up with he met up with um, National Lawyers Guild um, in San Francisco in um, Parliament Victoria was just in Pal Victoria in Parliament um the laws were passed for a new laws giving police powers to ban masks at certain protests which could be seriously affect the freedom of expression and we'll just go to Anthony um Can you hear me? Oh, Anthony, sorry. I didn't, didn't know what was going on then. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, sorry about that technical issue. Um, yeah, Anthony, um, so the, the, the Victorian Parliament just passed um, the Crimes Legislation Amendment for Public 
of Order Act 2007 in law. Could you explain this to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So it's basically a raft of amendments to the Control of Weapons Act and other acts which um, changes some laws in relation to, um, to protest and public order events and also provides police with some additional powers um, when they have a, um, a designated area or a gazetted area under the Control of Weapons Act. So some listeners may be familiar with the idea that police can um, publicly declare a particular area, such as a train station or a, um, or some sort of public zone, uh, a declared area, and that gives them temporary extra powers to search people without warrants or without any sort of suspicion. They can just, you know, um, people remember quite a few years ago the police were routinely um, declaring various train stations, gazetted areas, and then putting people through metal detectors and, and patting people down. Um, under the the, um, the guise of searching people for weapons. Yeah. Uh, they stopped doing those after a while because basically all they found was a few box cutters uh, each time, people who, and mostly from people who worked in box factories where they had to use box cutters. Um, so there was basically, they brought it, they were brought in after some um, media panic around increasing knife crime. And now wow. they're being used quite um, effectively and deliberately in protest scenarios, particularly ones where there's been um, conflict and, con- and direct confrontation between far-right and anti-racist demonstrators. Mm. And um, Coburg, you might remember, last year, um, where the um, you know the True Blue crew and various white nationalist organisations tried to march through Coburg and they were stopped by anti-fascist um, activists. And um, the ensuing um, confrontation in the streets was, um, you know, caused a lot of outrage in the conservative media yes. and establishment, and um, there were strong calls by the opposition and the police association and other and parties, even local councils, for um, more police powers and legislation. And this is and so this uh, amendment bill or this amendment act that was passed last month is basically the current government's response to that outrage, to that outcry. Yep. Hmm. So, um, so that's the background of it. Yeah. So it that was, was... It was first used uh, yesterday, Sunday. Yeah, I was just wondering about that because I thought it didn't wasn't legislated yet. I thought it had to go through Parliament and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's gone, it's gone through Parliament. It was passed. Um, Sue Penichick from the, um, the oh, Greens, yep. she's the, the justice spokesperson for the Greens, she was basically the only um, representative who spoke out about the bill and she proposed a series of quite, you know, reasonable... Yeah. Um, protections, basically saying that uh, if people are wearing face coverings for religious or cultural purposes, or um, uh, or protections, uh, you know, or wearing a mask for political expression, then they should be protected. They should maintain that right. Yeah. And the government rejected those protections, and basically, it puts the on- puts the onus or the discretion upon police at the time to determine whether, uh, if you're wearing a face covering, whether it's um, designed to conceal your identity or to protect your, yourself from um, capsicum spray or crowd control substances, as they call them. So, so essentially, in a nutshell, the new law mm. allows police to demand that people remove uh, a face covering if during if it's during one of these designated area a protest during one of these designated area um, times. 
So yeah. it doesn't apply to all protests. Uh, it doesn't apply to all areas. It only applies when the Chief Commissioner has declared an area um, to be a designated area for a period of time. I see, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, going back to the Coburg thing, also that that was a peaceful protest about um, racism and then the Antifa, I mean, not Antifa, sorry, the the nationalists started to, were going to march through it and they um, some people tried to stop them because, no, it's not really appropriate to do that. And, yeah, I just thought I'd chuck that in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so basically it's meant that, um, you know, rather than actually deal with the, the rise in uh, right-wing violence and yeah. white nationalists marching through our streets, this is the government is just, uh, you know, restricting civil liberties even further by dealing with masks, which is, um, you know, which is not really uh, the core of the problem at all. I would no, say that the core of the problem is, yeah, it's white nationalists marching through the city streets of Melbourne yeah. and terrorising, you know, immigrant populations amongst everyone else and, you know, amongst anything else that they do. Um, so um, there's also been a series of new offen- offences created or emerging. So basically they've got rid of the old common law offences of a fray, rout and riot. Right. And they've created new offences, statutory offences of a fray and violent disorder. And both of them have, you know, similar to what the common law ones were, so five years and then ten years for violent disorder. Right, yeah. uh, and very, and people need to be reminded that the, the maximums are incredibly rarely, if ever, applied in these these circumstances. But it's just that's just their maximum. Mm. And um, but the the issue again, and we raised concerns about this uh, early, you know, earlier this year, is that um, that the penalty rises for quite a number of years if they're done wearing a face covering. So, um, again, it's that sort of anti... This is why we're calling it the anti-mask legislation, basically. So uh, if you're um, charged with a violent offence during a protest situation, um, you you know, you can cop a certain either a fray or violent disorder, but if you do it wearing a face covering, the penalties are several years extra. Oh, right. Mm. Yeah, and the mainstream media have been portraying the um, anti-racist... Rallies is violent, and um, it's the other way around, really, because there shouldn't be that discrimination on the streets of um, publicly yelled out. And, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah this is, there's certainly a, a bias in the mainstream media towards anti-fascist uh, organisations and groups and individuals mm. um, who sometimes wear masks for a whole variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's also a media bias um, that sort of set, tends to protect... Uh, white nationalist, white supremacist, and neo-Nazi groups who are basically espousing mass deportations and yeah, um, right. the eradication of entire races. So it's quite uh, extraordinary that uh, that uh, unequal bias that uh, mainstream commentary um, you know, continues to exacerbate, and that's that's been reflected in America, of course, mm. and, uh, but also very much here. The you know the equivocation of mainstream commentators uh, when they deal with these sort of things. A false equivalence, creating a false equivalence between anti-fascist forces and the and fascist forces. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a continual... And this and again, this is reflected in Parliament's decision to legislate against marks, masks yep. uh, rather than do anything concrete against uh, the white rise of white nationalism. That's right. 
Can you um, oh, can people go to prison um, with these masks, anti-mask laws? Well, uh, I guess if the charges were ex- extended, I can't really say that. And it's hard to say because they've only been used you know, this Sunday. Yeah, this so Sunday. So the, the um, uh, and I'm not 100 percent clear what the charges are when people are asked to um, leave an area. Um, they they'll but they will be committing an offence if they refuse to either remove their mask or leave a designated area. Mm. Um, and so. Um, and what they are, I think, are under existing uh, offences in the in the Control of Weapons Act. But uh, again, it's not clear how they're going to be applied. Um, and I guess this goes back, and I think I've spoken about this before, that the, um, the another concerning factor of this is that um, currently we have almost, or the police have almost total unre- unregulated uh, ability to use um, surveillance, various forms of surveillance, but also... Um, facial recognition technology, and, uh, which has been used for several years by Victoria Police, right. and many um, many people engaged engaged in political um, action are um, cognizant of this, and for various reasons, and for that reason in particular, just in principle, uh, they may wish to hide their identity uh, in public protest situations, yep. and uh, so this law essentially uh, prohibits. Um, Wearing any sort of face covering to protect your uh, your anonymity. Um, so we are concerned that it has a you know um, an impact on the freedom for peaceful assembly in that sense. So people who attend protests with no um, intent at all to court, to um, to engage in political violence, but um, still have uh, justifiable reason to cover their face and remain anonymous because um, they don't want their uh, biometrics to end up in police databases. So this law restricts uh, people in that category as well. So how does um, this impact on freedom of expression? Well, again, it's up to the... It, it, what it does is allow every police officer in these designated areas to arbitrate whether uh, a mask or some sort of head covering is a legitimate religious head covering or it's whether it's political expression or whether it's um, to conceal your identity and uh, protect yourself, always protect yourself from uh, capsicum spray. And mm. as we can imagine, ordinary police members aren't that uh, well trained in, um, you know, to distinguish between what's artistic, what's political expression, what's cultural, what's religious, and what's, and what's um, criminal. So um, it's a very bad law in that sense, uh, leaving up to... Uh, your rank and file constables to be arbiters of political expression. Yeah, right. So, so as an example, you know, if someone was wearing a George Bush mask or a Donald Trump march mask <laughs> uh, at a political rally, yeah. then um, and they might do that because they want to, you know, ridicule a political figure. Yeah. Uh, and it could be part of a street theatre. Then it would be up to police present to determine whether they're doing that to protect themselves from capsicum spray or whether they're doing it as political expression or whether they're doing it for, to hide their identity. How strange um, that is. It is, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just very strange, that, that whole concept of that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so it's dangerous in that sense. It could very dangerously um, uh, imp- 
impinge on a whole range of freedoms and civil and political rights for that, that sense. And that's why, you know, we certainly spoke out about it strongly, the Melbourne Activist Legal Support. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, other people, such as Sue Penichuk, have called it unnecessary and ill-defined. And, um, it, um, you know, can easily capture people in, um, wearing legitimate face coverings. So, um, yeah, it's very concerning. Yep. Have you got any um, final comments? Oh, look, just that, um, again, any law like this, it's pretty good just to um, educate yourself about what the ramifications are. So yeah. Melbourne Activist Legal Support's put out a note on Facebook. We'll put it up on our website as soon as we can, um, outlining the, um, the new powers. And the basic um, legal solidarity protocols apply to any of these things. Don't uh, don't uh, not come to a protest because of new laws. Um, but yeah. again, it's just another... It, yeah, it's certainly it's another uh, reminder how it's important to um, stick with each other, stay stay by people who are being arrested or searched or questioned and uh, educate each other about these laws and uh, how they impact on our political expression. Oh, that's right, yeah. Thanks very much, Anthony. Um, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking about these important issues. Cheers, Peter. Thanks heaps. All right, see you later, mate. And that was Anthony Kelly from um, um, Melbourne Legal Support and um, Kingston Flemington Legal Centre. I will just go to a track now. This is um, Charcoal Lane by Paul Kelly and Courtney Barnett. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. CR are selling kefir, Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Hello? Male chauvinist pig versus hairy leg feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. The battle you've all been waiting to see. The battle of the sexes. You want to see it, right? Then get along and support 3CR at the Palace Withgarth Cinemas, 89 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday, October 5th, from 6.30pm. 
for a screening of Battle of the Sexes. You're offering the men's winner eight times what you're offering the women's winner. The men are simply more exciting to watch. It's just biology. <laughs> the story of the infamous tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Tickets are $25 and $20 concession. You can purchase online at 3cr.org.au, direct from the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or by phoning 94198377 during business hours. All funds raised go to keeping 3CR on air. Battle of the Sexes screening, Thursday, October the 5th from 6.30pm. Does she have the nerve? Call Bobby. Tom, it's on. And you're with 3CR 855 AM. Um, I'm, we'll be see us next week. Um, we're just going out with the Black Fellow, White Fellow song. FreeCR is actively advocating for equality in the lead-up to the National Postal Survey on same-sex marriage. As such, we will not give airtime to the No campaign on the basis that it is prejudiced, homophobic and harmful to LGBTIQ people and our families. Our community may hold different views on marriage as an institution, yet we agree this postal survey is a political stunt designed to appease prejudiced and homophobic views. 3CR will continue to advocate for equality in all areas. At this particular time in our political climate, we need to ensure that our members, friends and colleagues know that 3CR is a safe space for all our community.